0: previously on the nature of my game
1: podcast in your head teddy you hear finish him for me so i need you to make me a stability roll you can choose how much you want to spend on the stability roll but if you fail you will have to shoot fabio
0: yeah so teddy turns her gun towards the woman with the hood and she points it directly between her eyes and just before she fires off she says you might feel a small pinch
1: All of the trackers seem to have kind of faded back and blended back in with the crowd. Do
2: we think we have time to like, turn to Gavin and just mend him up a tiny, tiny bit?
1: There is a woman who is kind of peeking her head out from an alleyway, kind of down the street a little ways. And you recognize her um, as uh, Olivia Leo. Are they, are they gone? Thank God, We, we need to get, we need to get out of here.
3: And what I'm wondering right now is, are we the redundancy? Are we, are we doing the exact same thing by delivering Olivia that the people that we just fended off were trying to do?
1: When the source reached out again and asked me to check out a particular mining company, I did. I looked into it a little bit, I found out that they were undertaking a new exploratory dig in the Carpathian Mountains. Do you think they're real vampires?
0: I don't know what to think anymore, Olivia.
3: Alright. Dracula, okay.
1: Outside Tarnovo, Bulgaria. June 10th, 1877. Thinking back, Annie O'Malley wasn't sure how she had gotten here. Oh, she certainly remembered starting her coursework at the local university. She remembered meeting Professor Vambry when he came and spoke of his journey through Persia and Central Asia disguised as a Muslim. She remembered introducing herself and being the only student bold enough to request that he take her on as a mentee. But how that had led her into the hidden cave in remote Bulgaria that she now found herself in, that seemed like a blur. She knew she should have stayed back in Boston with Jack. He and his brother had just started their new private investigation service, and Annie herself was probably the best investigator of the family. They needed her, even they admitted it, through gritted teeth, that is. But the pull of Europe, of traveling with Dr. Vanbury, was too much. Jack said he was fine with it, that he was even excited for her, and she believed him, mostly. But now she wasn't even sure if she'd make it back to him to tell him she should have stayed. Annie looked around and noticed that she had wandered off. She stopped, looking around for any sign of the rest of the group she had come with. Dr. Vanbury, the young Irish doctor, what was his name, Stoker? and the others, but she didn't see them. All that she could see in the torchlight, she realized, was dripping cave walls and the shadows cast by the rock formations all around her. Annie was starting to panic. People had been slaughtered in this cave. That's why they had been sent here, to investigate. For the first time on the trip, Annie had felt like she was going to be useful, that she was going to be giving back to Dr. Vambry in return for everything he had taught her and the opportunities he had given her. She was an excellent investigator, but now she had been lost in her thoughts and had wandered off. Turning around, Annie thought she knew the direction she had come from and started to head that way. At that moment, the strangest smell hit her nostrils, and it took her a moment to realize what she was smelling. When she did, a greater fear than she had ever felt came over her. That smell was the smell of blood, and it seemed to be all around her. She looked up just in time to see a pale face full of rage looking down at her from atop a rock formation before it darted into the shadows. As Annie moved her torch to keep the face in the light, she heard footsteps skittering up behind her from the opposite direction. Jack, she thought. Jack, I shouldn't have come. After we got finished recording our last episode, I got texts from uh, two of our players that basically amounted to, oh my god, this is so fun. And so, you know, I think when I started playing role-playing games, which was kind of late college, early, just after college, I, I definitely felt like had that same kind of early role-playing game moment where I was like, I cannot believe I haven't been doing this my whole life. This is like the most fun thing I've ever, I've ever done. And I still kind of feel that that sometimes, so it's not quite as sharp. But um, what do you what do you all think is what do you enjoy about playing these um, so much?
2: I don't know. I, I guess for me, it's like the the combination of the storytelling element is a lot of fun. You know, the cre- creativity, but I also like the random chance element a lot too. Because <laughs> you know, if you get a couple ones in a row or something, and you're just really down on your luck, it's kind of oddly satisfying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some like dramatic tension that comes from yeah. being forced to fail uh, because you, that's probably not what you would you would choose for your character if given the option. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's the storytelling and the investigation for me. I realized when I was a kid, I loved those choose your own adventure books. Those were my favorite, yes, and I yes. feel as if this is just an extension of that. Except now I get to kind of live it out
1: yeah it's it's like a it's a choose your own adventure amped up to like the hundredth degree
0: yes love it
1: but yeah I mean I also I the investigation part is so fun which is why I think I obsessively like and this is why I'll forever be a game master even even when I complain about not ever getting to play like I put myself in this position because I read. <laughs> Adventures just all the time because I find them so interesting. And I know that I'm never going to get to play any of them and I ruin my chance of ever playing them and having someone else run them because I've read them already. Um, but, but yeah, I, do, I, I, I agree. I find the investigation really, really interesting and like a, a fun part of getting to do that because obviously that's not something I do in my everyday
3: life at all. I just, I really love the group storytelling element. Like, I feel like there's something almost like inherently not to get too broad with this, but almost inherently like human about wanting to do storytelling as a thing Um, narrative. Like I feel like we all find that satisfying. And so getting to do that one as a group where we all get to participate in telling the story. And then two, turning that into a game, I think is just super cool. It's like, it hits something that's like innately human inside you, but also makes it like just fun and interesting to engage with. So I've always loved that. And that's also why, like, I love being a player. I also really like being a DM or GM because I like being able to construct things and then let the players turn what I've built into a story with me and so you get something that's unique no matter how much you've done as a dm to set something up it always turns into something you wouldn't expect because the players have agency and get to tell their own stories within that framework i love that
1: yeah it's like i i think sometimes you know i i feel like everybody who has like a liberal arts degree from a university has considered writing a book at some point and i like that's always something that's in the back of my mind But I, I like, I try to start planning something out, and I'm like, no, I want other people to fill in the gaps of what happens here, right? Like, I'm just, my thing is just setting up (laughs) the framework and then letting other people live within it. RPGs have also totally ruined me for, um, like, competitive board games. Um, And when I was growing (laughs) up, if people, if, if you had told people, you know, my family and friends that I was going to not enjoy competitive board games as much anymore, they would have told you that I was totally crazy, but... I don't know, I like I like the, the cooperative part of it too.
3: Definitely. After this is done, Eric, you and I should talk about Icarus. Have you heard of Icarus board no. the board game? Or the no. Oh, it's so good. It's it's a storytelling, it's actually more like an RPG. It's a world building game. Like you cooperatively build a world with rules from this like baseboard game and get to like play through the entire Downfall of a of a like city or a world or whatever, and then you can use that as a setting for an RPG. After that, it's fantastic. amazing.
1: I'm I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. Let's, let's, so let's drop everything now. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's let's hop back in here. Um, so when we when we last left our characters, they had uh, they had found Olivia Leo, um, who was a journalist who was on the run from some some group who was pursuing her, brought her to a safe house. You know, kind of did a little bit of a debrief with her and and some of the documents and things that she had that she had uh, he she had collected in her research and found um, that there's a Romanian mining company that seems to be doing a dig near the Carpathian Mountains in the in the Romanian region of Transylvania. seemed to be digging out a monastery of some sort that was you know you kind of look into the history a little bit and it seems like it was shut down. Kind of very quickly with haste um, in the 13th century, and you it and you've also gotten some leads about some some potential um, traffic out of the, the the rumored MI6 station out of Gibraltar, um, and so you have these two leads, and you know you you just decided at the end of at the end of the last session that you. You were going to contact Hassan Safet, the the fixer from Marrakesh who was trying to get Olivia Leo out of Marrakesh. Contact him um, and ask him to you know, get Olivia back to her home so that the three of you can start following up on some of these leads. You also had reached out to Harker, the, the person who contacted you at the beginning uh, and kind of brought you along on this to see if you could get any more information from him. As he kind of had promised, if you if you um, if you were able to rescue Olivia, and you haven't heard back from him yet, and so we're at this kind of crossroads moment. But before we uh, before before you all decide where you want to go, um, there's a little bit of a little bit of uh, housekeeping that I want to take care of because um, this game also has a system for for different styles of games, um, and we we're using one of the styles that we're using is the burn mode game. Um, which deals a little bit into kind of the, the emotional toll that goes into some of the horrifying things and the you know, the traumatic things that you all deal with as, as agents. Um, and so we're gonna do some stability checks to see um, how you're all faring at this point um, after going through, even for agents, what was a pretty traumatic experience. Um, and so the way this is gonna work is just like any normal stability check, it's gonna be a difficulty four. Um, you can decide for each one how many points you wanna spend. Uh, but if you fail, you lose some stability points, and so there's that like balance between, do I want to spend stability points to avoid losing more stability points? And so uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through some of these. And so the first one, we're we're gonna start with the with the the least uh, traumatic and move up to the most traumatic. So the first one is uh, you witness a killing. So for Fabio, you know Gavin, I think was unconscious when this happened. So just for Fabio, Fabio, you witnessed Teddy kill this woman. <laughs> Um, so we're gonna start with you and your your role your first role here. Um, so do you want to spend anything on this first one? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a great question.
2: I, for some reason, it says I have three out of six on my calendar sheet left or a ca- character sheet. I forget why did I lose those points in the first place.
0: Wasn't it from the the lady cursing trying to curse you?
1: Right. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was
3: the chanting that she did.
1: Yeah. I
2: forgot about that. Oh.
1: Oh yeah. So you 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 spent some on that uh, yeah 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 yeah.
2: Oh, so I'm working with three.
1: And remember, I said this was the well. The, the difficulty's all the same, but this is the this is the least dramatic, if that makes a difference to you. Yeah, yeah. There are there are more coming. <laughs> <laughs> then
2: I will not spend on this one.
1: All right, go ahead and roll. Three. All right, so that's a failure. So you take one more point of stability loss um, for witnessing a killing. And so now I think all three of you are going to do this next one, which is an opponent attacks you with evident intent to kill. So let's let's start with let's start with Gavin. How many points would you like to spend on this one?
3: Is this also difficulty 4?
1: Yes, these are all difficulty no, 4. All they just difficulty it, for. It, it, var- all right. it varies in how much the how much loss you get.
3: All right. It looks like I think I don't think I forgot to mark off any. My pool is currently full for stability. Yeah, you were the only one who didn't get targeted by
1: the by the uh Yeah, the by woman. the
3: woman, because I was unconscious. Um, <laughs> I will spend... I'll spend two out of this. Okay. So I'm at four of six now, and I will make a roll. I rolled a three, so five total.
1: All right, so you don't take any more stability loss. Uh, Teddy... How much would you like to spend?
0: So we're spending sp- stability to ultimately lose it, or to prevent losing more.
1: Right, right. So it's a, it's a difficult balance to strike because you aren't you aren't sure how much the, these losses are. I'm not telling you how much they are. So right, how much <laughs> right. they
3: could cost us? I might have spent as much as this would have actually cost me. So who knows? All
0: right, maybe I'll wait to because I feel as if there are more coming for me. So I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I might just straight roll this one. Uh, actually, enough. let me spend. I'll spend one on this one. Okay. Oh, three plus one.
1: All right, so that's a success. So you just lose the one. All right, and then uh, and Fabio, same same for you. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna spend one. Okay.
2: Five, including the one.
1: Nice. Uh, nice. So yeah, you you also you also don't take any stability loss here. So all, all three of you some. You, you, I guess you knew you were putting yourself in, in kind of uh, in harm's way enough that you don't take any stability loss from someone trying to kill you or uh, multiple, m- multiple people trying to kill you, but we'll just make one roll for it. <laughs> All right, the next one is uh, you kill someone in a fight. Uh, that's going to be Teddy. How much would you like to spend, if any?
0: I'll spend two. Okay. I rolled a four, so six.
1: All right, so that's a success. Uh, and that would have been a three-point loss. So you spent two to avoid three, which, I, you know, it's that's something. Nice. It's something. It's. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that we're going to go with, um, and this is going to be for, for Fabio and Teddy, is it says you witness an obviously unnatural omen or magical effect. I would say that you experienced one when someone was trying to mind control you, even though you both were able to fend it off. Um, so this is the last one. So let's start with Fabio. How much would you like to spend?
2: Um, well, I only have one left. So, <laughs> can we use our our symbol to regain a point? I forget. Yeah that
1: that was that was the next thing I was going to say is that yes, af- kind of after we do all of this before before you leave, you can use your symbol to regain a point.
3: And okay. I would also ask, uh, may, we we should probably have clarity on what exactly happens when we drop to zero stability. <laughs> yeah, like, what are the concept. consequences of this? <laughs>
1: So if your stability ranges from zero to negative five, you are shaken. You can still do your job, but seem distracted. You can't spend points from the pools of your investigative abilities, and difficulty numbers for all general abilities increase by one. Oh. Oh
0: boy. Ouch.
1: Oh no. <laughs> 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 so maybe, so, ma- so maybe, so maybe in this case, it's worth just doing a flat check, hoping you succeed, and then not because you know either way, you're if you spend one. Well, I guess if you spend one and then get one, ba- you spend one, succeed, and then get one back, you'd be back at one and not in, not in the shaken spot. So. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm assuming this is going to be a pretty tough penalty <laughs> for. <laughs> I
1: failure. know if it's
0: the last one.
1: I can tell you, it would have been a tougher penalty if you had succumbed to the compulsion and killed one of your colleagues. <laughs> yes, So I'm, I mean, if I'm if, glad if I something... did that, it's <laughs> <That's>
0: fair. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna spend the one I have left, and just hope. Sounds good. Here we go. I rolled a one, so that's a two.
3: (laughs) Oh no, no!
1: That's a fail, so you spend one that drops you down to zero, and then you take three more points of stability damage, so you're at negative three.
3: Which means Uh, that you
2: are shaken. So I won't be able to use my geology.
1: (laughs) Damn.
3: Devastating. What were you saying about it? how exciting it is to roll like a bunch of ones? <laughs> yeah, I, I regret <laughs> saying <that. laughs> Um cool.
1: All right, Teddy, you are you're up. How many do you want to spend? You you know you know what the uh, I know, you know it, what it, the I know it's a three. Of I'm at a three right, right now.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess I'll spend two, hoping I can get that the one back with the yeah. All right, I rolled a two. All
1: right, so you and you spent. Two you said Two. That's a four, yeah. so it's a success. So yeah, you, you don't lose any more.
3: Good spend. <laughs> just got you there.
1: <laughs> Alright. So um, now that we've dealt with that, we'll we'll get to the we'll get to anybody wanting to use their symbol in just a moment, but where do you think you want to go? I'm sure that the three of you would have some sort of conversation trying to decide where you want to go. So so, you know, where do you think you all stand?
0: So our options right now are the dig site in Romania or the mining site in Romania. And then the intelligence agency in Gibraltar.
1: Yeah, I think those are the I think those are the possible those are the the leads that you have okay. at the moment until until you hear back from Harker. Those seem to be the, the the two places that you keep hearing about.
3: Okay, I I'll just say that as a player, I am more interested I think in Romania. Uh, as as a character, I am. I think Gavin is torn between Romania and MI6 just because he came out of MI6. Like, that's that's actually something that's very close to, like, his background and his interests. So I think, kind of from a character perspective, I'd be torn between the two. Player-wise, I'm more interested in Romania, but...
2: Yeah, I think I am, too. I I think that one seems more overtly occult, potentially. (laughs) And that's a direction I'd like to go.
0: I can get on board with the Romania train. I feel like Teddy would probably be skeptical of any... Sort of vampire, like pursuing this vampire conspiracy any further, but if after being potentially put under some type of spell by some supernatural being, I guess she we we have to pursue that.
3: Even after my two-hour lecture in the car when we were talking about, I uh, was show, showing you all of my notes. And...
0: I'm sorry, Gavin. I was uh, zoned out during the ramblings.
1: <laughs> Somehow she wasn't convinced. I can't imagine why. <laughs> All right, so um, so you look into it a little bit, and this this dig site is, you know, you've, you've gotten this information from Olivia. The dig site is in the Carpathian Mountains in the in the Transylvania region of Romania. And so you think you need to either take a flight to, I'm gonna do my best to pronounce these names, Cluj-Napoca or Tergu Muresh, um, which are two cities in Romania. And then you're gonna have to get a car and drive Uh, and drive out she says the 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 dig site is kind of um up in the mountains like off the main roads and so you're certainly going to have to to drive out to it you also if you know there's there's a little bit less of a time crunch at the moment probably and so you could potentially try to kind of collect some supplies before going out there if you wanted to can we collect some sanity
2: before going out there (laughs) to recharge a little bit
1: yeah, I mean, what do you what do you all think? So the so the ways that you are able to get um, stability back are, you can refresh one point by drawing strength from your symbol. So that's a that's an easy one. Your symbols should all be with you. Refresh one point at the end of a session if your place of safety remains invi- in, inviolate. Um, which obviously is not. We're not at the end of the session, so we can't do that. Uh, refresh two points after a six hour normal interaction with your solace. Um, I don't know whether <laughs> I don't know whether. Uh, Fabio can wing it back to provincial Italy to go see his <laughs> girlfriend for a little while. I, that seems that seems less likely. Might be a stretch, yeah. And yeah, I think this this is uh, there's probably more specific rules here, but I'd potentially say that if you really wanted to convince me that there was a way that you could refresh two points by giving into an addictive disorder by taking on an addiction and then giving into it, um, I could potentially see you going <laughs> that route if you really wanted to. Hmm,
2: <laughs> that's a good question. So. At zero itself, is that shaken, or
1: no? Yeah, Uh, zero is
2: shaken, yeah. Wouldn't change all that much. Might give me some buffer from ending up in a worse position, but...
3: (laughs) Fabio, have you ever played this game called Kino? (laughs) (laughs) This
2: is tough. Does the, the addiction that Fabio gives into to get two points back... Is it in any way debilitating for the rest of the uh, adventure, or just like a minor inconvenience?
3: Um,
1: I would say I would say for now it's probably a minor inconvenience, but going forward it could be potentially more debilitating. <laughs> Cause this may be, maybe this is like the start of your addiction. Like you, you're on, you, you like go to the, uh, to the airport in Marrakesh and you just go to the bar and you just start ripping shots. And it's, <laughs> it's the first step on your path toward becoming an alcoholic, which really kind of spirals downward.
3: Fabio already smokes, right? Like, I feel like I imagine him in his like Italian, like Villa, etc. He's already like doing this a lot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was that's the what actually what I was thinking, that he he takes up smoking just to <laughs> you know to, to take the edge off. Yeah, take
1: the <laughs> edge off, yeah. Alright, I be, be, because I because I like the story, I, I'm I'm gonna say that you you're allowed to do that. You like you like, ask them to stop on the way at like a, a, the Marrakesh equivalent of a convenience store and you buy like a carton of cigarettes and you just start like,
3: going through them. <laughs> Chain smoking. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like it. So yeah. So you can have two points back on that. And then um, are any of you going to take to use your one point refresh by um, by drawing strength from your symbol?
3: We can do that at any time, theoretically, right? Yes. At any time. All right, I'm, because my stability is still okay, I'm in 4 of 6, I'm going to wait on that.
2: As long as it won't take, like, you know, time. Like, I could do that in the middle, right before doing a check, right? Like, if a check is looming,
1: yeah, Fabio could sure. draw
2: strength from his symbol, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll just wait in that case, too. It's not going okay. to—getting to zero won't change all that much
1: for me, so. What about you, Teddy.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna pull my Hippocratic Oath, my copy of my Hippocratic Oath from my back pocket and uh, take a peek at it, and and remember my purpose.
1: Great. You want to tell us a little bit about this this copy of the Hippocratic Oath?
0: Yeah. So it's the the same copy that I used when I initially took the Hippocratic Oath in med school, and I've kept it with me all these years, and it reminds me of why I. Pursued this career in medicine in the first place. I wanted to help people, and and I keep it with me to remind me of that when times get tough.
1: Even though at certain points in your life, it has, uh, you, you've I'm kind of you, you've fallen off that path. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm sure there's some sort of justification in your mind for that, like the uh, like I'm preventing other people from doing harm. <laughs> with- for
0: sure.
1: Yeah, though I think she's—I think she's she's kind of she's gone down that path and started to started to make a return. Uh, she she had convinced herself for sure, but she may be she may be uh, uh, kind of unlearning some of those things that she learned with the CIA. All right, so um, so you all kind of make your way somewhat covertly back to the Marrakesh airport, and you um, get on a plane to Romania. Anything that you want to kind of gather or do in the travels between Marrakesh
3: and and the dig site? Uh, this is actually for... Fabio, did you end up making, like, improvised explosives or anything? I know oh. you mentioned that in the last session. <laughs> I did, but I probably
2: can't bring them on the plane. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, in that, well, in that case, could I spend some time gathering materials and making improvised explosives after we take the plane? <laughs>
1: Yes, you Again. you can do that. I actually I did a little looking into the explosives. So I actually have some spe- some specificity here. Oh, excellent. So there are different classes of explosives. Class 1 would be like a pipe bomb or a foam explosive. Class 2 would be like a grenade or a stick of dynamite. Class 3 is like a an RPG rocket or like a landmine or like a, a a suicide vest or things like that. I'm going to I'm going to cut it off before that point because <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't think that you're probably making making a stinger missile um to go into this place so that's
2: probably accurate
1: but yeah i can I'll, I'll say that you you have some class one and class two explosives prepped um to, to be able to use um and i'll probably say your your first one of each of those is free and then we can make a preparedness check if you want to see whether you have more of each of those sounds good Anybody else trying to collect or gather any any items or information or anything on your way out to to the dig site?
3: It's assumed we still have communication devices for the three of us, etc., right? Don't yeah, need to do absolutely. any kind of Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure.
1: I think it says somewhere in the rules of the game that like, you know, lean towards saying yes,
3: you have it. All right. Cool.
0: Should we bring any archaeology tools? I don't know how much physical digging we're going to be doing. <laughs>
3: I mean, it's really not a bad idea. We, you know, if we're get into areas where either the mining company hasn't quite dug out yet, or they are, you know, temporarily stopped or something, and we need to kind of get through somewhere, we might have to do a little bit of digging or, or something like that. So, might be a good idea.
1: Yeah, you swing by a, a Romanian Home Depot um, and grab a couple of <laughs> shovels. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you can you can bring out some you can bring out some like some digging tools and things like that. Um, Load them up in whatever large SUV you uh, you rent to drive out to this dig site. Okay. From uh, from Tergu Muresh, just because I like saying that that name more.
3: How are we? I mean, okay, I guess we really need to talk about approach, don't we? Like, are we just driving up to this dig site, and I mean, are are we? We should probably come up with cover stories or something, so that we're not immediately (laughs) attacked or you know had uh, people attempt to throw us out or whatever presumably there will be people there probably some security a lot of people you know doing excavation etc so we've got to figure out some sort of cover for why we're there
1: the one thing i'll tell you as you talk about this is that from the photos and from what olivia told you you know, she was able to get quite a few photos before she was spotted, and she's a she's a corporate journalist, right? There, it, it is it is situated in such a in such a way that the the dig site is kind of down in in the ridge um, of kind of up in these up in the hills, and so there there would be ample places for you to observe, at least from afar. You couldn't hear anybody or anything like that, but you can watch and see what's going probably without like you feel pretty confident that you could do it without being seen given given that your level of expertise okay but then if you want to go in any closer you're they're gonna to have to really sneak in or you're gonna to have to try to talk to somebody
3: presumably we'll want to infiltrate at some point so we may want to figure out what that what that looks like could there be any kind of uh, like could we be from the romanian government doing like some sort of Check. I mean, I'm sure there's uh, extensive rules about, certainly about excavating historic sites. I, I imagine there's some sort of, you know, some sort of process that they they had to go through or were supposed to go through. Maybe they were able to bribe their way through it or something. But wherein the government has a team that would come out and verify what they're doing and all of that sort of thing. I mean, we might be able to get away with something like that.
2: Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, like a rules question. Given that I'm shaken, (laughs) if I have... So I have, like, two in architecture, two in research, that one in geology. Like, those seem to combine nicely for a backstory of, like, hey, I'm here to, you know, expedite this dick process or something. But if I can't spend them, can I still, like, plausibly use (laughs) that alibi based on that experience?
1: Yeah, you you can still... You you still have the expertise. You just you're not going to be able to get any any of those like bonuses mm-hmm. by by using a spend. But you still I mean you still have those abilities. You haven't you haven't forgotten all of your all of your research or your geology expertise. Okay,
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean I kind of like that idea. Then going in and maybe we could also like scout it out real quick before from across
3: yeah, the way. Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm good with scouting from afar before we do any infiltration. That works for me. For sure.
1: All right. You uh, you land in Romania. You you rent a rent a vehicle, and you start making the drive out to out to the monastery at Salard. And so, uh, like Olivia had told you, the monastery site sits up in the mountains, off the main roads. And as you get closer, you find you know definitely places that you can kind of pull over and, you know, use binoculars or, or Gavin's, um, you know, really high-powered pho- photography lenses to kind of survey the area, get a, get a sense of what's going on. You see that they've used explosive charges to cause a landslide, um, and that's gouged out like a big black wound in the hillside. And now they're using a combination of earth-moving equipment and men with shovels to dig further down. As you watch them, uh, you see that large lumps of rock jut out like white bones from the mud and plastic sheeting protects the current excavation from the elements and and both Fabio and Teddy um, from your architecture and archaeology uh, abilities you think those chunks of rock are probably the masonry from the old monastery and so it really looks like they are just totally disregarding any of the any of the actual monastery and are kind of digging right through it which you kind of got a sense of that teddy when you were looking at the photos before off to one side there are a few portable cabins and tents set up uh, so it seems like at least some of these people are sleeping here um, and you know continuing to work not not traveling back to any any part sort of civilization between days Uh, there's a mud track that leads up the hillside from the nearest road uh, but you see that there are armed guards kind of watching that area, so it doesn't look like anybody would be able to kind of come in and out through that, uh, along that that kind of back path. And then in terms of personnel, you think you count about a dozen armed guards around the dig site. There's about the same number of, like, workers and engineers, and uh, you think you pick out two or three, maybe, what look like people that are leading the dig. You know, there might be One of the guys might maybe he's an archaeologist because he he does actually seem to be like kind of directing people, and the other two the other two kind of look like they're just walking around looking at how things are going like they they're quote unquote managing the situation but you're not really sure what exactly they're doing.
3: Okay, so not to state the obvious but open combat would be a disaster for us here. We've got (laughs) yeah we're outnumbered four to one at least so we've got to be as. Uh, stealthy and as uh, stick to our cover as much as possible I think
1: um what are your what are your respective ratings in infiltration N- your your full your full pool not your current I have an
2: eight and I haven't used any and I have that open sesame like special skill
1: thing. right right right
0: I have a three in infiltration
1: okay and I
3: have a four
1: okay. So I think Fabio, you're kind of a you're kind of an infiltration expert. You know maybe this maybe this stems from your 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 uh, your oldest career, your oldest passion, uh, be, <laughs> being an actual arsonist and explosives expert. <laughs> you know that maybe you were you were having to sneak into places to kind of you know string them up, wire them up to be able to 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 bring them down. But you're just kind of scanning this area. There's a lot of people down there, but it's a pretty big area. There's a lot going on the idea of especially once it gets a little bit darker of sneaking down there without kind of going in and trying to to talk to anybody it's not out of the question it would be hard for sure but there's there's enough there's enough going on with the tents and the cabins and all of the machinery and the the rocks that have already been dug out and the, you know the hills around that it wouldn't be totally out of the question to try to like sneak down there hmm Doesn't mean you have to go that way, but I just I want I don't want it to seem like it's a like a totally like an an open field where if you walked out there, you'd be seen instantly.
3: Okay, so we have infiltration via, you know, sneaking in, which we could do. Sounds like it could be difficult, but probably similarly difficult. We can, you know, BS our way in as as Romanian government uh, agents um, inspecting the site so i feel like right now those sound like our two options Hmm.
2: yeah that's tough i could go either way on that because in some ways i feel like the the sort of bullshitting angle is kind of fun um but also like i feel like maybe it gives us a floor where if we mess it up a little bit or it starts to go wrong it doesn't immediately end in us being attacked or dying potentially uh, that's a very good Correct. point that's and i feel a very like infiltration is like if we get caught that's that's it, it. We're that's right. right we <laughs> yeah. were
3: sneaking in somewhere and we weren't supposed to be there yeah that's we, fair we
2: could try to deploy the actually we're just archaeologists card <laughs> as we're infiltrating but i'm not sure that would be super
3: successful <laughs> 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 yeah and I, no, I think you're right bsing our way in it we can at least even if we screw up we might be able to get out safely and then we can still try to infiltrate later Oh Whereas yeah! yeah. Infiltration—we screw that up. It's not like we can come back and try to and put on fake <laughs> mustaches. Maybe I mean maybe maybe we or if our disguises Disguise. are good enough. Maybe.
1: So it sounds like the sounds like the plan is to try to do to to kind of co- or not covertly, but um, try to try to play yourselves off as as Romanian
3: government inspectors.
1: Romanian government inspectors that ha, that are just kind of coming out to inspect um, the the dig site and and how well you know whether they're they're following protocols and whether they um, mm-hmm. whether they have the proper permits and all of that.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, before we start that, my only concern with this is my guess is it will be a little more difficult for us to get away to into like look at the things we want to look at. Like we're ha- mm-hmm. we'll have to be you know. I'm sure that one of the managing people or something is going to kind of try to lead us around the site or something like that. So we'll have to be pretty, I don't know, uh, pretty prepared to look at, grab things, et cetera, quickly as we as we do that. Because it might be hard for us to get away if we want to look at anything.
2: Yeah, I wonder, too, if this is like, if we feel like we can't get away, it's at least sort of casing the joint for if we have that's to That's true. That's a very good
3: point. Yeah, that's a back. very good point. Totally.
1: All right, so um, who has what in bureaucracy?
3: Ooh, I have two in bureaucracy.
1: I have one.
0: I have nothing in bu- bureaucracy.
1: All right, um, so you know, I think I think uh, Gavin, you're a you're an expert bureaucrat. Um, you you know you know all the ins and outs of. Of
3: course, cool, so that's why this was my idea.
1: <laughs> exactly of how these things work. You think that you would have a much easier time. Um, and th- you're also kind of thinking about the fact that Olivia Leo said that as soon as they saw her, they started shooting. Right. So they're not they're, they're They seem to be quick on the trigger. Um, mm-hmm. You think you would have a much easier time if you were able to kind of manufacture. Maybe maybe you do some sort of hacking or something to kind of place a phone call to let them know, or, you know, a phone call or an email or something to kind of let them know that someone's coming before you arrive, rather than just, like, pulling up in a black SUV.
3: (laughs) Fair. Okay. Let's... I'm gonna say we do it via a phone call. Who's our best... Like, would this be a situation where I don't mean to, like, metagame this too much, but are we going to play out the phone call, unless it would be better if our interpersonal person, like Teddy or someone, did the phone call? Or is this, like... Oh, it's a, just a spend a point out of bureaucracy. You successfully make the phone call. They they know that you're coming, and they think you're from the government.
1: Yeah, I think I think I would want some sort of role for you to like because you don't have any of their phone numbers. Um, so some mm-hmm. sort of role to be able to like either figure out who they are and find a phone number for someone who's in charge, or do some sort of like digital intrusion where you can like hack into the hack into the cell service and like ping a phone that's close by or something like that so I would want some sort of role for that but then I think between the three of you you have enough of those interpersonal skills that you can pretty much like make the make the the content of the phone call go in the way that you want it to
3: I'd be happy to do a digital intrusion role and spend two points out of it unless someone else has I have three in digital intrusion if either of you have more or want to do the role
1: don't have anything in digital intrusion okay Um, and do you have anything in electronic surveillance, Gavin?
3: I believe so. I think I did a little bit in... Yeah, I have two points in electronic surveillance.
1: Alright, so I think I'm gonna say that this is gonna be a difficulty six, um, or a difficulty four if you spend a point in electronic surveillance first.
3: I want this to work, so I will spend a point in electronic surveillance to make it difficulty four, and then I'm spending two points out of digital intrusion. I will say the uh, infamous words that I said once before, which is, "This is only going to fail if I roll a one." <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> I rolled a four.
1: Oh, excellent, good. excellent. All right, so so tell me, what do you what do you think you do? Like, how do you how do you go about this? It, none of us probably knowing the 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 really deep inner workings of. of of cell service and cell coverage and and uh, things like that, but what do you think? How you do? this would
3: actually work? Well, yes. So this is you know spy magic like movie magic style. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, I just kind of I, I you see me pull out a little like USB stick that I stick into my laptop and start typing, and I say something along the lines of. Right, I've I've triangulated the cell towers in the area. Um, Let's see. All right, this one's closest. I think I can spoof a cell number coming in to one of their phones here. Okay, those appear to be location that I could get a rough GPS uh, location estimate. That means those, I think both of those phones are within the office buildings that are located, or well, temporary. They have, I guess, probably those like temporary structures set up that you yep. see in some like mining areas. I'm pretty confident that I've got two different phone numbers here that are both going to be numbers that will ring in one of those uh, temporary structure buildings. So I think either of these, if we called them, would would be appropriate
1: all right so you uh so you find those numbers as you ring them when when you call one of them you see some you know some movement of some of the personnel nearby that somebody answers you uh you know they they say hold on let me let me uh let me get the the archaeologist on duty um and you see someone come out and kind of walk over to the man that you thought you had kind of identified as the archaeologist he's in his mid-50s he has a full head of sleek iron gray hair and, you know, he, he talks with the person that comes out to get him for a little bit. He seems maybe a little bit annoyed, uh, but then walks back into the tent and, um, and answers the phone. And so, um, you know, kind of amongst the three of you, because you're all, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's Teddy that's actually on the line because she's got the, the best interpersonal skills, but just, you know, you're kind of all probably working together. You know, you've all got earpieces on, so you can kind of be, like, feeding information to Teddy as she's talking. What are you, what are you trying to say to this to this guy what are you trying to what are you what are you what information are you providing him
3: i think this is one of those where we say that there's going to be a team a small team of government inspectors coming in we sent notice to your parent company like corporation about this so that like because (laughs) those things never get sent down the line like it's (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's that kind of thing that just like gets completely lost in the bureaucratic chain. So um, we claim we sent written notice about this, that this is happening today or tomorrow or whenever we feel, you know, it makes sense for it to occur. Um, And I mean, I am concerned because the, the head archaeologist could try to call whoever their like overseers are to check if if this is legit sounding. So I'm not sure what the best way to pass this off is. Do you two have any ideas on this?
0: Hmm. Are there any spends that we could use to add to our legitimacy? Like anything we could anything we know about the Romanian government specifically that would kind of reassure them that we're legit?
1: Yeah, I think I think if you wanna if you wanna do uh, did, did I have already asked you to make a spend on bureaucracy, uh, Gavin? Or did I just say that? Yeah, I, I think I just said that that you kind of had some ideas of how to approach this because of bureaucracy. Yeah,
3: I haven't had to spend on a bureaucracy yet.
1: Yeah, if you if you wanna if you want to to give me a, a bureaucracy spend, you can you can make sure that the the information you're providing them is precisely the way that the Romanian government would go about doing something like this.
3: Okay, I will definitely do that.
1: Great. And then I would also say, and I, I'm going to, Teddy, I'm going to let you make your choice in which of your interpersonal abilities you want to use here. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask if you want to make a spend to kind of, you know, in addition to the information that you're providing that's coming from Gavin about like the, you know, you're, you're precisely correct about the way this process would work. You can use, if you if you want, you can use one of your interpersonal abilities and make a one-point spend to kind of also make, you know, wh- whichever one you choose, right? If it's intimidation, like, you you are kind of, you're kind of, you know, scaring this person a little bit um, in, into making them do what you want. Or if you want to use flattery or flirting, like, you're making them, you're making him, like, like you and, like, think this is, like, a, you know, it's a reasonable ask or negotiation, whatever, whatever whichever you choose. Um, just to, if you want to, to kind of reinforce both the the interpersonal side along with the technical side.
0: All right, I'll use some intimidation, just kind of <laughs> threaten to shut this down if we're, I won't go too far with it, but I'll kind of hint at the fact that if, if we're not, if we're not able to complete this inspection, we're gonna have to pursue shutting this site down and see where that gets me. So I'll spend one in intimidation.
1: I love it. Yeah that that makes that makes sense to me. Um, and so yeah, he the, he seems um, he seems like you've gotten through to him at least. Seems seems like he he's gotten the message. I think Gavin, you would know that kind of standard operating procedure for the for these um, government officials coming out to check dig sites and things like this. They usually place a call in the morning of the day that they're going to arrive, just kind of confirming that they're going to be coming. Sure. Yeah. And so, yeah. So the plan would be at some point today, you all are going to arrive there. Um, the other thing that you get out of the conversation is that the archaeologist's name is Brooks Galbraith. He's British. It seems it's a it's a you know you you kind of get the sense that maybe maybe the company that over that is the parent company for this particular mining company is is based out of England because um, he seems to have some sort of authority here.
2: Do we um like while this is going on? I know we say, like, we saw them answering the phone, etc. Do we see them doing anything else after this call happens? Like, you know, quickly covering stuff up with a tarp or, you know, hiding something, that sort of thing?
1: Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, yes, absolutely you do. <laughs> so as soon as, as soon as he hangs up, he comes out and he starts shouting. Uh, he's shouting directions at different people. The, the two other guys who seem to, like, look like they're overseeing the operation come over and, like, start asking him questions. You can tell that he's, he's frustrated and, and a little nervous. Um, and they start doing a few things. They start um, cleaning what what looks like to you cleaning up the dig site, right? So some of those big masonry pieces that, like, clearly were you know, potentially part of what they were supposed to be looking for that they just discarded. They, like, start getting some of the workers to kind of move, like, lift those up and, you know, maybe move them over to kind of hide them in some of the other piles of rocks. And, you know, just doing things to kind of make it seem like they maybe have made less progress than they actually have and also kind of ha- trying to hide the fact that they really are not doing they're, they're digging right through this old monastery rather than excavating around it. You also see that they that that, that cooler that had that you think has blood in it obviously gets like moved away and out and out of the way and hidden as much as possible in one of the one of the um the tents the the like temporary tents that have been set up. Uh, but with all that being said They do continue to work, um, especially some of the, the, like, heavier, some of the heavier equipment does continue to dig.
3: Okay. Um, Are we able to identify from, I mean, in addition to all that, any either points of interest or things that they, that don't appear to be just, you know, uh, archaeological pieces, anything else that they are either moving, covering, anything like that, where you know? Obviously we, we might not. I mean, I guess we could have some interest in like some of the just like physical pieces that they've brought up, but I'm guessing that there's other things that we, they're either hiding or trying to get to that they are covering. So I'm just wondering if there's any other like uh, important pieces that we should identify as like things we should try to look at while we're going through the site.
1: Yeah, so you spend a little bit more time just kind of studying what they're doing. Um, you know you've been here for you've been here for a few hours now and so you're starting to kind of get a feel for what's actually going on at the dig site, even though they kind of started to make these adjustments uh, to prepare for the inspector's arrival. And I think it becomes pretty clear to you they're looking for something particular. They are, they are digging in this spot because they are looking for something particular, and they don't really care what they destroy, and what they dig through in in an effort to, to try to find it. And about 30 minutes later, you, you also can tell that one of the, one of the other things that happened when the when the archaeologists came back out, you know, they started to hide some things, they started to move some things around. It also seems like the pace picked up. That they that that it seems like whatever it is that they're trying to find. They want it found before the inspectors arrive, and about thirty minutes later, you hear some commotion, and the the some of the heavy machinery seems to break through something down below. Like it like it seems like it kind of moved through, you know, maybe maybe a large chunk of the 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 monastery floor or something like that. It, it broke down through something, and kind of people begin to shout and like run down to the site and they start hooking like different cords up to different things, um, and the archaeologist runs over and seems to like be directing people. Do you all react to this or do you continue to watch?
2: Hmm. How long has it been since we placed that call? Yeah, about thirty minutes. Okay, so not long enough that we could be like
3: that we just just immediately show up. (laughs) Not quite long enough for us to show up. So I would say we we probably watch and try to identify what they're doing.
1: All right, so it, it takes maybe another 15 20, maybe 30 minutes for, you know, cuz they've they've removed the heavy machinery and now people are down in the in the hole in the dig site, you know, like trying to move some things around and hook things up. But as you watch, they they bring the they bring a crane back over and they they hook up some of the cords and things that they've like taken down into the hole. They hook it up to the crane and the crane starts pulling something up out of the hole. And at first, it looks like a metal block or maybe a metal box. Uh, but it doesn't take you very long to realize that it is almost certainly the shape of a metal coffin. And that is where we are going to end our story for right now. I knew it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> 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 we,
3: we ready to steal Dracula's coffin? or <laughs>
0: This podcast was created using Knights Black Agents, written by Kenneth Haidt and published by Pelgrane Press, and is based on an adventure written by Gareth Ryder-Hanrahan called The Harker Intrusion. The podcast also uses material from The Dracula Dossier, written by Kenneth Haidt and Gareth Ryder-Hanrahan, and music from Dust and Mirrors, written by James Semple. All of these are used under the Pelgrane Press Limited Community Use Policy. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at
1: nomgpodcast.com.